0: Thank you. Um, Well, good evening, folks. Um, I'm very, um, I feel that I'm so privileged to stand before you after the the, the most powerful song that uh, we just uh, sang together uh, and um, to tell you the story of Israel. Uh, It's so beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, Now, yesterday we did... uh, three sessions. Uh, I gave you a general uh, overview of Israel at the first session. Uh, Then uh, I was uh, zooming into Jerusalem using the maps and all of that. Uh, And uh, the third one was actually uh, a presentation that went with the slides. And we did sites from the Old Testament time. And uh, we did it in a chronological order. actually took you to the land, uh, showing you the route that Abraham did, and then we just follow the uh, 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 patriarchs and the matriarchs, and then Joshua uh, uh, in Exodus, Joshua, uh, Judges, Samuel, Kings. And uh, it's uh, quite sad, uh, but uh, our evening yesterday came to an end with the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, that's why I'm saying it's sad. <laughs> uh, we want Jerusalem to live and not to Amen. fall yeah. down. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, that specific one was in 586 when the Babylonians crashed the city and destroyed the temple. Uh, here is what I will do tonight with you. I'm going to do the uh, footsteps of Jesus, but there is a gap. There is still a gap of more than 500 years since uh, our temple fell in Jerusalem 586, you know, till the birth of uh, Jesus and uh, uh, the coming back from Egypt when he is a baby uh, and uh, then uh, his life in in the land of Israel. (laughs) So I want very quickly to close that gap. Historically without pictures, just to go through the major events. So we learned yesterday, where was exile? For the same Jews that were expelled from Jerusalem. Babylonia, Tigris, Euphrates, these two big rivers, part of the Fertile Crescent. Uh, Distance, why? 650 miles away from their homes. And they are sitting there 50 years, then Babylon disappeared. And a new power uh, took over the, their land. I'm talking about Persia. Uh, and generally saying, most of the kings of Persia were very bad. Mean, bad. <laughs> Evils. Uh, but there was one who, uh, and to whom we are going to remember forever. His addict. When he rose and said to the Jews, this is not your home. Go to your home. And I'm talking about Cyrus. Uh, And uh, they started to move back to their home, the land, the homeland, uh, in order to make Jerusalem great again. Uh, And they came in several waves. One of the first uh, put back the temple on that little Mount Moriah. Yesterday, I showed you some maps of this, and I even mentioned the fact that it was a very small building, temple, uh, the house of God in Jerusalem. Uh, And then Nehemiah came and built the walls. I mentioned yesterday a little bit uh, about uh, Nehemiah's walls. And look what happened later on. There are Jewish people living in Jerusalem, and now we are not dealing anymore with Persia, and we have a new power, that is controlling most of the ancient world, and that's Greece. The Greek, you know, empire. Uh, you're laughing because of, you know, my mimics. Uh, uh, they control the land of Israel, and uh, they came to Jerusalem, and they entered the house of uh, God, the temple, a temple that should not have any graven images, any idols. And what did they do? They placed their idols in that temple in Jerusalem. And not just this, they desecrated, you know, the holy uh, place. Uh, They started to put too many sanctions over the Jewish people who lived in uh, Israel. So the Jews said, no more. We are going to fight against the uh, Greeks. Uh, And here comes the story. I believe that some of you heard the story of the Maccabees. Judah the Maccabee. Yes, yes, who stood against the Greeks and uh, took his army. Do you know? uh, No, actually, how will you know? The town where I live in Israel is called Maccabim. <laughs> so I actually, my neighbor is almost Judah the Maccabee. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I live in the area where he arranged his army and uh, went up to Jerusalem. And in the year 164 BC, we are still 170 years before Jesus will be born, okay, uh, he uh, cleaned the temple. From the idols. And he made Jerusalem clean again. And for that big event, the Jewish people all over the world are celebrating a specific feast, which is called the Feast of Hanukkah, coming before Christmas time. Uh, And uh, it's a very lovely one. We are eating a lot of uh, fried uh, products. Uh, like donuts, and, but not Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> uh, you know the the uh, Israeli donuts, which are different uh, because of that miracle that happened when he was making the temple clean again. Uh, and then the hasmonean dynasties is ruling Israel, so the land of Israel is under Jewish kings uh, till what can I say? Brothers from that dynasty were fighting against each other. And uh, this is not, you know, such a nice story. And uh, and now there is a new power that took over Greece, the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And when they saw the two brothers fighting against each other, it was a good momentum for them to put their fingers in the land of Israel. I told you yesterday how Israel is a bridge between continents. Everybody wanted to, you know, have Israel to themselves, (laughs) knowing how geographically it is so significant to control the land. Um, And, um, well, uh, they decided to uh, appoint a king on their behalf who will be the king of Israel and here we are coming to a name that I believe that you are familiar with. His name was Herod the Great. <laughs> Herod the Great. I mentioned him briefly yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about him. Uh, a very unfriendly person. And that's like, an you know, undermining. Uh, a, a very unpredictable person. A person who... Uh, loved so much his wife and finally killed her or the same thing he did to his children. Uh, um, He suffered from a lot of paranoia, Uh, but he is known as a builder. And each project that he took to his hands was mega. It was Caesarea, and you're going to see pictures. It was Jerusalem, and you're going to see pictures. It was Masada. And you're going to see pictures. That guy, he knew how to build. <laughs> he wanted the whole world to come and to see what uh, uh, what he can do. Uh, and uh, when he was uh, quite uh, an old man, um, a rumor came to uh, you know came to him saying, uh, "Be aware. Very soon." A baby is going to be born, and he will be the king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, here we are coming, of course, to, uh, to uh, uh, the birth of Jesus. Uh, and um, that guy, Herod, um, was so scared, so afraid. So what did he do? He published an, an order to kill all the babies under two years old. So Jesus' parents took, him to, took the baby to uh, Egypt. Egypt where they stayed, not for a long time because Herod died and they felt safe to return to the land. Yeah. So uh, welcome to In the Footsteps of Jesus Tour. <laughs> and this is what we are going to do tonight. I told you that tonight... Um, will see the presentation as if we are making a tour in Israel. Uh, so you will be sitting in your chairs. I won't ask you to get off the bus and on the bus and uh, you know all of that. Uh, in the next hour I'm going to share with you what? The sights. The the sites that almost each group will see in Israel when they are doing the steps of Jesus. And I will give you some insights about you know some of them. Uh, and I'll try, of course, to also connect them with the Bible and to give you the references, where can you find uh, the stories, the, those scriptures written in the Bible. So let's assume that we landed <laughs> at the Ben Gurion Airport uh, in Tel Aviv. On El alia yeah, in Tel Aviv. <laughs> And, uh, and um, we are trying to uh, take most of the groups, even before the first check-in to the first uh, hotel, to show them what's near Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is new. Tel Aviv is modern. And not because of that we are going to Tel Aviv. We actually are going... Oh, it's working. <laughs> uh, we are going because of Jaffa. Old Jaffa, which is one of the most ancient, um, very ancient cities in the world. Jaffa is there 4,000 years. And Jaffa was known as a port city. You know very well the story of uh, Jonah, the prophet. (laughs) That's where Jonah came to the port and, you know, wanted to uh, kind of escape from his uh, job, his mission. So Jaffa, <clears throat> we are coming to Jaffa because of a specific house which is in Jaffa. And as you can see, what is written on that uh, uh, you know, g- gate, the doorpost, <clears throat> Simon the Tanner. Yes? yes. yes. So uh, we started the tour with uh, Act chapter 10. And we are standing in front of Simon the Tanner. And uh, this is for sure not a building that exists there 2,000 years. It's a traditional, you know, uh, but but we believe that that's more or less the location where the original Simon the Tanner house was standing. And of course, it is a perfect time to uh, talk a little bit about what happened there. and. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, vision of uh, Simon Peter who was on the roof of that house when he fell asleep and the sheet came down with the animals in the corners. And then he heard that voice uh, said what the voice was saying. Rise and eat. And and, uh, when he opened his eyes, whom did he saw standing in front of that house? Three men. Okay. Who sent the three men? Cornelius. If this is Jaffa, there is an area here called Caesarea. And there is a man in Caesarea whose name is Cornelius, the centurion. A Gentile. He sent three men to take uh, Simon Peter from Jaffa and to bring him to his house. Uh, Yesterday, Pastor uh, Morgan was uh, talking about one of the things that kind of surprise people when they are coming to Israel are distances (laughs) between sites, distances. Well, if it's an hour and a half to cross and it's five hours to drive along, like the state of New Jersey, (laughs) size-wise. So between Jaffa And Caesarea, both of them are on the Mediterranean coast, 30 miles, that's all. 30 miles is a day and a half walking. And they came to Caesarea. And what did they see uh, in Caesarea? A city built by Herod, the same Herod the Great. And I told you how whatever he handled with, especially in constructions was big. So we can see, visit, and be impressed by a city that he built. And the city is there 2,000 years. And uh, back then, Caesarea was one of the largest port cities in the entire Mediterranean Sea. The biggest one, by the way, was Alexandria in Egypt. So Caesarea was quite a large port city over there. And uh, in uh, the city of Caesarea we found a theater. Uh, We found the remnants of the palace of Herod the Great. Um, We don't uh, know exactly where was Cornelius house, but it was in that city. And uh, when we keep reading Acts chapter 10, We know very well what uh, happened there. Yes, when uh, Cornelius uh, asked um, Simon Peter to baptize him. And he received the gospels. The first Gentile ever. Mm -hmm. And you know that's a big step towards the Gentiles which never stopped since then. Mm -hmm. So it happened in Caesarea uh, along the coast, the Mediterranean coast. Uh, Another stone. Do you remember yesterday I showed you the David stone? (laughs) That's the Pilate stone. So a stone was found in Caesarea with the name of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who uh, condemned Jesus to death when he uh, was in Jerusalem. When they were not busy in Jerusalem, the Roman governors, yes, They always prefer to live at the beach. (laughs) So he came to Caesarea, a nice city that stood for him uh, with palaces, and that's where he lived. No wonder, you know, that we found a stone with his name inscribed on that plaque. Another nice view of the rest of Caesarea towards the harbor, which is at the very end. Uh,
1: They're not going to believe this.
0: <laughs> no.
1: They won't believe what that is.
0: Shall I tell them?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, we know that Paul was in Caesarea. We know that he also embarked from Caesarea. We also know, because it's in the Bible, that uh, he was put in a prison, like more than two years. Now, prisons at that time uh, are not like prisons today. Prisons at that time are not a building above the ground. In most cases, they are water cisterns. When you take the water out and you empty the cistern, you put a cover on top, it's a pit, it's a dungeon, it's a prison. So we don't have the hundred percent certainty, but many scholars will point to this place and they will say it could have been that pit where Paul, you know, was left two years in it.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's writing counted all joy.
0: Caesarea didn't have its water supply. So Herod built for the city uh, an aqueduct that was built along more than five miles. There were two pipes on top, pipelines, and that's how fresh water was brought from a spring, which was five miles away from Caesarea to the city. Uh, So with this, actually, we are giving a nice taste to the people on the bus of what can we find along the coast of Israel, the Mediterranean coast. So technically, we are not spending too much time along the coast, because we have so much to do in the land, in the land. So let's continue the journey. We left the coast (coughs) of Israel, and we drove towards the Jezreel Valley. The same Jezreel Valley that we saw yesterday night, I told you the story of Deborah mm-hmm. in Mount Tabor, yes? <laughs> you can even see Mount Tabor in the distance. Wow. Uh, so this picture was taken from uh, Etel. I'm not going to tell you anymore what's Etel. They want to know. <laughs> no. I'm not going to tell you written with two L at the end anymore what's a tell written with one L at the end anymore. And by the way, the word tell written with one L is a Hebrew word. It sounds English, but it's a Hebrew word. So this picture was taken from the tell of Megiddo. And... uh, which is a perfect place to read from Revelation. And in Revelation 16, 16, it says, and they will all gather in a, into a place which is known in the Hebrew tongue as Har Megiddo. Armageddon in the English version. <laughs> but if you go to the Hebrew scriptures, Har Megiddo. And when it got translated to you know Greek language and Latin, and finally English. It became known as Armageddon, mm-hmm. but it is Har, which is a, a hill, a mountain. Megido is the name of the city. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you what what you see over there, the green part of the valley, is known as the Valley of Armageddon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> we left the. Uh, Uh, we left the Jezreel Valley, and we are now in Nazareth. Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem. (laughs) Yes? A little bit south to Jerusalem. But where did they have their house? Where was the home of the parents, of Joseph, of Mary, (laughs) and Mary? In Nazareth. So when they came back from Egypt, They went to their home in Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth at that time is a small community, a village. It's not a city like uh, Tiberias, okay? It's not even a town like Capernaum. It's a very small village uh, with a community of 200, 250 at most people. And no wonder why they all knew him as the son of the carpenter. Because in a small community, it's a good chance that everybody knows everybody. The more bigger the community will be, less chances that they will know everybody. (laughs) And that's how they recognized him as the son of the carpenter. The son of Joseph. So he grew in Nazareth. We don't know much, you know, about Jesus' childhood. We do know, uh, his parents uh, went to Jerusalem in the uh, you know several times during the feast uh, twelve years old they lost uh, they lost him in the temple and then <clears throat> found him sitting uh, debating with the rabbis, then back to Nazareth nazareth Jerusalem, a week, eight days of walking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> He grew up in uh, Nazareth and um, um, then came that Sabbath day, the very specific one at the synagogue of Nazareth when they read the portion from the Torah and then they moved to the uh, prophets, the Haftarah, and uh, they were reading Isaiah that Sabbath day. uh, And then Jesus stood on the podium and talked to them And they were very upset, upset, antagonized, you know, with what he was saying. And they had a plan. And what was their plan? We have to get rid of him. Uh, They denied. They didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. So what the Bible is telling us that they took him out of the Nazareth area and they brought him to Uh, the precipice, Mount Precipice. Uh, And you cannot see from here, but it's a cliff on the other side. If you stand there and you hold a rock and you let the rock fall down, it will go all the way down to the valley. And this was their plan. But as the Bible says, Jesus uh, passed among them through the midst of the crowd and left Nazareth. And he's on the way from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee. And on the way, I mean, on along the way to the Sea of Galilee, there is a small town, uh, a small town named Cana. Cana in the Galilee. And uh, at that time, Jesus' mother was sitting with the Jewish family and they were making the preparations for the wedding, but then they realized that they are missing the wine. I don't know how much you know about Jewish wedding, <laughs> my friends. Okay? You can have a bride and the groom. You can actually have whatever you need, but if the wine is missing, no wedding. <laughs> no wedding. So you know very well what Jesus did for that family. It is known as the first miracle. And that's the church of the wedding uh, that where people, tourists, you know, are visiting. Uh, I want to emphasize the distance between Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee. It is so important for you to try and to understand that when we are talking about distances in the Holy Land, you don't need to, you know, go month. It's like a day here, a day there, two days, three days. <clears throat> Between Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee, Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee, um, at most 20 miles, not more. And 20 miles you can do in a day and a half, not more. I did uh, some Walking yesterday morning, I had the morning free. Uh, I, with no problem, I did seven miles walking. So 20 miles a day and a half. It's not so far. Okay, and he, Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee, and the next three years of his life will be in this area. So around the age of 30 till the age of 33. <laughs> That's where he is going to live. And uh, you have a map. Uh, you have a map of the Sea of Galilee also uh, in this picture. Most of the sites, the what we call the biblical sites, are around the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. It is a beautiful body of water, <laughs> so, so full now in Israel. So the water level is so high uh, now. Uh, that's the only freshwater uh, lake that we have in Israel. Even though it's called Sea of Galilee. Um, I, um, I'm being asked very often by uh, tourists, Aaron, why is it called Sea? <coughs> Uh, it's a lake. It's not, uh, you know, uh, something so big. And uh, my answer will be <clears throat> uh, like this. Um, and we, also in Hebrew, we have two different words. We have a word for a lake. We have a word for a sea. All right? Uh, now, if, if it will be a lake, cold lake, you're undermining but if you use the term see, you're glorifying. <laughs> and this is how it should be, you know, in your heart, yeah. as a glorified place and not as an you know undermined place. Yeah. So the word sea makes the uh, you know that area to be much more yeah. you know power, powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, these mountains on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, and tomorrow I will also mention these mountains um, in my um, presentation, um, are the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights. These mountains. By the way, the bottom, (laughs) the lower part, is the area which in the Bible will be mentioned as the other side. And Jesus went to the other side. So now you can see what's the other side. Uh, Let me show you some uh, pictures about the various sites there. Uh, The center for those three years of uh, his ministry in that area was Capernaum. There is no doubt that uh, the town of Capernaum. Uh, which was a Jewish town, <laughs> of course, uh, populated with 700, 800 people, um, was chosen by Jesus to be, you know, like a headquarters, like a base, a center, and from there he's walking uphill, downhill in the whole region. So uh, these stones are, um, The stones of a synagogue that was found at Capernaum. Uh, Any Jewish settlement, any Jewish city, any Jewish village, any Jewish town will have a synagogue. Uh, Especially at that time. If the place is bigger, it will have more than one. More than one. Uh, This is where Jews went to, you know worship, to pray, to study, to celebrate. It was a very important uh, element in the life of uh, of the community. So you can see what are we doing with groups. Uh, when we enter to the uh, synagogue of Capernaum, they are sitting and they can hear, uh, you know, uh, scriptures uh, being read from the Bible. And uh, uh, there is so much in the Bible about Uh, Jesus at the synagogue of Capernaum Uh, the the famous verse that he's saying and he taught them at the synagogue and they were so astonished who is that man that is talking with so much authority or power so uh, that's the synagogue that he also brought back to life whom the daughter of the head of the synagogue Jairus was the head of the synagogue Uh, uh, the building where we put the groups is not the original one from the time of Jesus. Uh, Capernaum got destroyed twice. By the way, as Jesus said to Capernaum, as we read in uh, uh, Matthew 11, woe to you, he said to Capernaum, you will go down. Same thing he said to Chorazin and Bethsaida, the place finally went down, so the original synagogue got destroyed, and the Jews built on top another one which finally will be destroyed as well. Uh, we discovered a nice uh, capital at the synagogue with a menorah a seven branched menorah you can see uh, you can see it carved uh, on the uh, stone and We don't need anything else to understand to get the proof that we need to know that it was a synagogue. And that's the original. And this is underneath. So the black stones will represent the original synagogue where Jesus taught them. Another building at Capernaum is an octagonal building that represents a church from the 480, AD, so-called Byzantine church, and scholars believe that that church is built on top of Peter's house, which is down below, down below, or Peter's mother-in-law house. Uh, this is another location on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, um, And um, I always find this place a perfect one to bring the groups down to the water, to stand there, to open the Bible, and to read John 21. And to uh, share with the group about Jesus after the resurrection, coming back to the Sea of Galilee, where he was on the shoreline, And they were on the boat at very, very early morning. And in the Sea of Galilee, by the way, there is a kind of a natural phenomenon that when it's dawn time, uh, it's very misty. Uh, So people cannot see who is on the beach, like standing at the shore, and who is at the boat. They hear very well, but they cannot see. And that's exactly what is in John 21. They heard him talking but they didn't know who was he. What are you doing? We are trying but we caught nothing. And what did he say to them? Cast the net on the right side of the boat and they caught so many. And later on they were sitting together having breakfast. And it might be the place where Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? You know, ask him three times. Feed my sheep, feed my land. <laughs> what a powerful place. And then people can go down and, you know, put their feet in the water. Um, very exciting, very exciting. Uh, this is the same area, the same place, but from the water. And by the way, the mountain above, Yes, which looks quite dry, that hill, that area is a natural theater, okay, which is on the hill. <laughs> it could have been very possibly the place where Jesus stood when he delivered the sermon on the mountain. And uh, we tested several times that area. I'm talking about sound and, you know, uh, you can whisper. Thousands of people will hear you so well. So well. So well. So uh, that's another uh, site called Korazin, with its synagogue. Uh, Another place that finally went down. Even... And, you know, ornate chair was found in that synagogue. Uh, This is a beautiful discovery. Uh, The year is 1986, and two brothers are walking on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And it was a year of drought. And because of the drought, the water level was very low. And they saw something sticking, you know, uh, projecting out from, uh, from the mud, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, an opera- a rescue operation was uh, arranged, and finally they took it out, and they discovered that it was an ancient boat from 2,000 years ago, from that time, <laughs> yeah. made of wood. Wow. Uh, and uh, what is missing to the boat at the back, is another quarter, uh, and if in your imagination you will put that missing part, trust me, that boat can easily take 12 people. Let's go fishing, uh, easily, <laughs> and uh, we can stand and almost touch that boat. Uh, it's, it's not a replica, I'm talking about, uh, an original boat, uh, 2,000 years old. Uh, That synagogue was found in another town around the Sea of Galilee right here called Magdala, which is the town of Mary Magdalene. So uh, that's the ancient synagogue uh, with uh, another stone found at the synagogue. And look, once again, the menorah. The seven-branched menorah, uh, which is a very strong Jewish symbol. We <clears throat> left this side, and we sailed, as if we sailed, to the other side. <coughs> as uh, as uh, Jesus did, on a boat. And the other side of the Sea of Galilee had a different name at that time. That region was called the Land of the Gatherings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Land of the Gatherings. On the map, I can show you. It is right here. That area, okay, will be known as the Decapolis area. The, the, The union of the ten cities, the Decapolis. So the northern end of the Decapolis was known as the land of the gatherings. And you all know what happened there. When the man whose name was Legion was possessed by demons Uh, and nobody (coughs) wanted him to be in his uh, own city. (coughs) So being rejected, the poor man had to go and Uh, he found uh, tombs and caves where he lived. And when he saw Jesus coming, you know, off the boat, he went down from the caves area toward Jesus, and you know very well what happened. So we found the place, and we also uncovered a, um, a Byzantine monastery that was built there in the late 400s to commemorate that, you know, big event that took place there. Uh, I want to um, emphasize something very important about the next site. (coughs) Uh, We are at the Sea of Galilee, and that's where Jesus also recruited most of uh, the disciples, yes? And this is where they spent... that area here, most of the time. And one day, Jesus decided to take them, I call it a journey of three days walking to the top of Israel, to the northern end of Israel, where the Jordan River starts flowing from a spring there. And I hope that everybody can see a cave where a group is standing up there, And a little bit to the right, we, uh, our archaeologists, found uh, remnants of shrines, pagan shrines, (coughs) Roman pagan shrines to their gods. And uh, we understood that we found the place known in the Bible as Caesarea Philippi. So another Caesarea. But this time, it's Caesarea Philippi. And uh, that's the place that we read in Matthew chapter 16. Where Jesus uh, asked the two questions. Whom do people say I am? And then the second one, but whom do you say I am? And uh, it was a crazy place back then. I'm telling you. The craziest thing that you can think about happened there. (laughs) People were worshiping dead gods. People were following all kinds of idols and uh, people brought sacrifices and dumped them in the cave because they uh, believed that they were sacrificing to whom? To the god of hell. (laughs) The god of Hades. They understood that this might be the gate of Hades. The gate of hell. So look to which place Jesus brought them to ask the, you know, the two questions. In front of all this craziness, it was a supermarket of gods, but they were all dead gods. And uh, this is where Peter said to him, You are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, in front of all these, you know, pagan shrines. So that's Caesarea Philippi. A very powerful location. And believe me, uh, people like you, who haven't been yet in Israel, but they know that story from the Bible, when they are standing there and they open the Bible, all of a sudden their eyes are open. And they understand so much better the context. And why did you, you know Jesus said to, uh, to, to them, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because they knew that this is the gate of Hades <laughs> with all this craziness that was done there. We left the north, and we are now traveling south. And if you remember, yesterday, <clears throat> I pointed to the tale of Beit when I was talking about how the Philistines hanged the body of King Saul. <laughs> Later on, the people came down from the tale when they felt safe enough, and they built a Roman city down below, huge so rich with antiquities, you know, with buildings, a theater, the main boulevards. Uh, There were so many buildings built there, but then that day came in the year 749 A.D., and within three seconds, the entire city fell down. earthquake. (laughs) Earthquake. A very massive, a very big one. Look how the giant stones fell down. Each one 25 tons. (laughs) And they all fell down like, you know, shells of
2: nuts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look. We left the Bay area and we drove along the Jordan Valley. And we stopped here. And that's... The Jordan River we saw yesterday the very same place <coughs> in my presentation, but yesterday I showed you the place without people, and I was talking about uh, being the place where Joshua and the uh, children of Israel and the ark yeah, yeah. enter to the land to the promised land uh, and now we can see the same location. Uh, this side is Israel and that side where they are, other people are standing under the wooden roof is Jordan. So look how small is the Jordan River. And uh, this, my friends, is known as the baptismal site. The, uh, the um, baptism of Jesus uh, took place in this place, in the Jordan River. So you can see how Tourist pilgrims can put on top of them uh, white gowns and they can go in the water and baptize. And it's cold, cold, depending depending which season. (laughs) (laughs) And in summertime, you are bitten by the flies and they are so mean. (laughs) So, (coughs) uh, this mountain is Mount Temptation. Who was tempted in the wilderness? Jesus. After spending the 40 days and nights the Satan came to him and tempted him. So this is the mount of temptation, the wilderness. You can even see a monastery built there uh, to commemorate what happened there. And we are now on the road to Jerusalem. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Look to my hand please. Jericho, Jerusalem. <laughs> Jericho, 1,000 feet below sea level. Jerusalem, 2,400 feet above sea level. <coughs> What's the distance? 15 miles. That's it. There is no need to graduate university <laughs> to understand that It's going very (laughs) steep, (laughs) very steep. Uh, So this is, by the way, uh, how most of the pilgrims at that time left the Galilee and went to Jerusalem. They took the Jordan Valley, which is more or less flat, and they could find water. They reached Jericho, which is kind of the last decent place for water. And they knew what is ahead of them now, how difficult it will be uh, um, to reach Jerusalem. So from Jericho, uh, they took the road. Uh, It it doesn't work well there. And you can see at the bottom where the creek is going, uh, there are several, um, you know, uh, trees and bushes. It... It, it is marking more or less the ancient road Jericho, Jerusalem. Uh, there is a little bit of uh, water places along that uh, route. You can see the road. Okay? Uh, and thinking of this road, you can think of two uh, biblical uh, references. You can think of the Uh, parable of the good Samaritan Mm -hmm. that Jesus you know he used that road when he was talking about the man who was left wounded you know um, he he was telling them that the man left Jerusalem and went down to Jericho and the the one who actually helped him so much uh, was not the Levi was not the priest was the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan. (laughs) Because uh, north of this road, it is the land of Samaria. Mm -hmm. And you can also think about the word Mm ascent. And this is how we should speak when we are heading to Jerusalem. We are ascending Mm -hmm. to the uh, holy city. Mm -hmm. We are not climbing. We are not going up. Uh, We are ascending and just you know, uh, refresh your memories with so many songs of ascent describing uh, the road to Jerusalem. And we are in the city. And uh, uh, when we are standing on Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, this is what we will see. Uh, a, a beautiful panoramic view of the city of Jerusalem Uh, from Mount of Olives, down there you you have the Kidron Valley, which I mentioned yesterday so many times when I was uh, drawing the map, the Kidron Valley. (coughs) I even said that Jerusalem uh, at that time 2,000 years ago, I mean, not Jerusalem, Mount of Olives was not part of (coughs) Jerusalem. You can see where were the walls. And the Temple Mount area, (coughs) And uh, that building with the uh, golden color, which is called the Dome of the Rock that uh, was built later after the temple got destroyed, the Muslims put that building on top. And of course, the rest of the city uh, can be seen very well from Mount of Olives. The entire mountain is uh, covered by a very large Jewish cemetery. There are more than 70,000 graves in this cemetery, uh, which is an active cemetery uh, in the last 1,000 years. And it's almost full. At the bottom, by the way, you can see tombs from 2,000 years ago carved in the bedrock. Yeah. Like one of them is called the tomb of Zachariah. Not, it's not the prophet Zachariah. We don't know who is that Zachariah. And the other one were the pillars at the bottom, the sons of Hezir, which was a priesthood family. And there is uh, another tomb nearby called Absalom Tomb, the pillar of Absalom. So that's in the bottom. <clears throat> I used the map yesterday, <laughs> that map over there. Yeah, and now you get it uh, on the slides. So we can see what we learned yesterday. The city of David, the Temple Mount area, the Gihon Spring, the water tunnel, the Pool of Siloam, and how the city is growing to the west. Uh, And I will try soon to emphasize, let's see. And this is of course an illustration of the Temple Mount with the four retaining walls around. Uh, The western wall, the southern wall, the eastern and the northern, with the temple on top. Uh, I hope that you can see the complex, which is at the very end with four towers. We can see it on the map. At the top of the temple mount, to the left, we can see the layout of that building with the four towers, and this is known as the Antonia Antonia <laughs> fort and uh, are you familiar with the word praetorium yes. mm-hmm. who uh, was having the praetorium in the Antonia Pontius Pilate so if the praetorium is there that's where Jesus was sentenced that's the trial of Jesus that took place over there We have in Jerusalem a beautiful uh, scale model uh, where we can walk around and see uh, how the city looked like 2,000 years ago and we can learn so much by doing the tour around. It's a beautiful uh, model. You can see the Kidron Valley on this side and the Hinnom Valley on that side. No matter which ancient period you will take in Jerusalem these two valleys will always be the boundaries of the city only in modern times 19th century the people will cross the valleys to the other side and they will start building you know homes on the other side but up until the 19th century like 100 you know 40 years ago The Kidron and the Hinnom are the borders, the natural borders of Jerusalem. We are getting closer to see the temple. So uh, this is what yesterday, uh, I think one of you uh, asked me about, is this the third temple? Or is this the second temple? <laughs> and I uh, mentioned yesterday that the second is actually the small building that the Jews that came back from exile built. But when Herod became the king, as I said before, whatever he did in his life regarding constructions will be mega. <laughs> mega yeah. will be really beyond, beyond. So he, on top of Mount Moriah, built that huge Temple Mount area, as if it's like a giant shoebox, you know, with a plaza on top. And then came the Herodian Temple, which in many ways will be the second second. (laughs) But we cannot pronounce second second (laughs) temple. It's difficult. It doesn't make sense. So we call it the second, because the real second temple was never destroyed by Herod. He just covered the building and built around. So it's called, and that's the temple that you read about in the Bible so much. And the area between the temple and the building with the red roof, which is also a holy place, will be filled by tables that the money changers you know, will put on top. No wonder why Jesus got mad and he you know, turned their tables upside down.
2: Yeah.
0: So the main building of the temple is known uh, in the Jewish tradition as the Holy of Holies. Where the high priest, the Jewish high priest, went inside once a year on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, and stood in front of the divine presence, the glory, the shkainah glory. Uh, This temple will go down. (coughs) Exactly as, by the way, Jesus, when he said to, uh, during his, you know, uh, speaking, he said, no stone, will be left on top of each other. So this temple, like the rest of the city, will finally go down 37 years later in 70 AD. By the Romans, they will destroy. It. Uh, this is the famous Western Wall. Sometime it is also known as the Wailing Wall, but I prefer to go with Western Wall because People don't cry anymore. (laughs) It's not, uh, actually, people are crying there, but their tears are tears of joy and not tears of agony, okay? So uh, so the, the right terminology should be Western Wall, which is one of the big retaining walls of the Temple Mount. And for us and for many people, actually, it is a good opportunity to say a word of prayer, to go down, to touch the stones, to say a word of prayer. And why is this place so exciting? Because that's the nearest one to the Holy of Holies. So when you are saying your prayer there, you know that you say your prayer standing so close to the Holy of Holies. Even soldiers in the Israeli IDF, Uh, sometime are celebrating an event uh, in front of the Western Wall and it's beautiful. What happened? We moved from the Western Wall to the Southern Wall. And uh, the whole area was excavated. There's so much there. But I want to be focusing on the steps where groups can uh, stand, (coughs) sit, walk upstairs, downstairs. My friends, these are the steps where Jesus walked. If there is a place in Jerusalem where we can say 100% of certainty, you know, where Jesus walked, that's the place. So think about yourself being able to come to Israel and to walk in the same steps uh, where Jesus walked when he entered to the temple. They are called the Southern Steps. It's very exciting to be able to do it. Very exciting. And these are the Hulda gates, which are sealed. They were blocked by the Muslims a bit later on. Uh, but they are the original gates that are leading to the Temple Mount. And that's the pinnacle. <coughs> the, the, the word pinnacle is coming from the Bible. It's another place where uh, the Satan was trying to tempt Jesus. And uh, <clears throat> this is also in Jerusalem. And uh, that this is part of what is known as the pools of Bethesda. Yes, John chapter 5 the story of the um, man, the lame, Mm -hmm. who was on his bed 38 years. And uh, it was uh, the Sabbath day when Jesus visited that place. He he said to this man, you want to be well? Stand up, take your mat. (laughs) And the man did it and uh, was healed. He was complaining before that each time when he's trying to go down to the water, other people are taking the place because he is disabled. Okay? Till Jesus came and made him well. The pools of Bethesda. Can you see how much we found in Jerusalem?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that's the traditional room known as the Room of the Last Supper. It's a traditional building. It was built by the crusaders. It's only 800 years old. But we believe that that building is standing on the right location where the Passover meal, sometime it's called the Last Supper, uh, took place there. And from there, Jesus left the city and went to Gethsemane. So the, the name Gethsemane means oil press, and there is a good chance that where you find an oil press, you will find olive trees, okay? Because oil press is something that they built, Uh, and olive trees are growing there, and you don't want to carry the olive so far to the oil press. (laughs) You want to make the oil uh, close by, nearby. So there are beautiful olive trees Uh, in that area and uh, they are known as Gethsemane or the garden of Gethsemane. And uh, soon Judas will come and uh, he will kiss Jesus on his cheek and this will be the sign for the Roman soldiers you know whom to arrest. So uh, that's Gethsemane. Look how big is that uh, You know, olive tree. It is 1,000 years old and still producing olives. It won't be a mistake to say that the existing olive trees in Gethsemane grew from the roots of the original ones that were here a 1,000 years before. And they took him from Gethsemane and they put him in the pit, in the dungeon, which was under Caiaphas' house. Caiaphas was the high priest. We know where his house was, and we found the dungeon, the pit, and that's the place where Jesus spent the night before the trial, in Jerusalem. And that's the road connecting the upper room with Gethsemane, and in this area on the side was the courtyard where Peter denied three times to Jesus before the <coughs> cock crows. As, you know, the Bible is telling us. Uh, uh, this place is in Jerusalem, uh, outside the city wall, and it's called Garden Tomb. Garden Tomb. Now, uh, for many people, when they want to uh, try and to see or to visit the place which uh, the Bible calls Golgotha, Golgotha, the Skull Hill, Calvary, okay, so uh, they go and uh, to another place. They will see a big church over there called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, But if you want to uh, stand in a place that uh, most likely is more uh, sensible, more original, more actual, can be more uh, the actual location, uh, it should be here, the garden tomb. Um, And in John 19, the Bible says that uh, near the Skull Hill was a garden, and near the garden was a tomb, which was not used before. So, we uh, found that Skull Hill, it's difficult to visualize by sitting here, but believe me, if you're standing in the right location, you will see eyes. You will see a nose. You will see an image of a face, of a human face, and that's the meaning of the word Golgotha, Golgotha. So this could have been Golgotha. On top of that hill uh, was the crucifixion uh, place. And we came down, and it's only 300 feet distant, from Golgotha to the tomb, so close. And you can see how people are entering the tomb uh, that was found there and that tomb was not used before. And it's a 2,000 years old tomb. Uh, And this is what's inside. And uh, it's an empty tomb, of course. Of course. And Uh, it's nice the way that the people that are maintaining that site, um, uh, what they hanged on the door that, you know, like a modern door that just closed the uh, chamber, they put a plaque where they are saying, for he is not here, he is risen. Amen. Uh, This is the Eastern Gate. And the eastern gate that the Muslims blocked is the golden gate, which correlates with the prophecies in the Bible that are talking about the second coming, mm-hmm. yeah. about the returning to Jerusalem of the Messiah. He
1: will walk through
0: that. Uh, well, <laughs> you can see a cemetery in front. Uh, this is what the Muslims in Jerusalem built in front of the gate. I don't know how to say it, but they thought that that cemetery will block him from coming back to <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> Uh, We have a a nice picture of the temple mount from above with the Dome of the Rock. And uh, the Dome of the Rock is a Muslim shrine that they built 600 years after the temple got destroyed. Mm -hmm. My friends, there will be another temple up there. And that temple has no other place beside the actual location. Mm -hmm. It cannot be beside on this side or that side, it must be in the very same location.
2: Yeah, Yeah. amen. That's right.
0: (laughs) So that's the Dome of the Rock. We left Jerusalem and uh, a quick view over another project that Herod built. out of Bethlehem. It's called Herodion. It's a mausoleum, which he built for himself. I told you, everything is mega. This is huge. It's an artificial mountain. And it was done 2,000 years ago. Look how much was built inside like a crater, you know, with the palace and, and, and so much. And then down below, In 2007, Israeli archaeologists found the tomb of Herod in this place. A water cistern. And this is what uh, was found broken, a stone coffin, a sarcophagus. So we we believe that this was the broken sarcophagus where uh, King uh, Herod was buried. (laughs) We left Jerusalem, and it's our last day of the tour. (laughs) And on the last day of the tour, we must do business and pleasure. (laughs) So the business is to learn more history. The pleasure will be floating in the Dead Sea. (laughs) All right? So we are on the way to the Dead Sea. And we came to a place called Masada, which is here. And my friends, Masada is known as the last stronghold, where 967 men, women, and children, all Jewish zealots, gathered on a mountain (coughs) while the rest of the country fell in the hands of Rome. And they realized that uh, the Roman army is besieging the mountain. And they didn't want to fall to their hands because they knew that they will make them slaves. And they decided to take their lives in their hands. And they all committed suicide. And they were the last ones uh, in that place called Masada. We are taking a cable car up to the mountain. You can see the big squares at the bottom. These are part of what the Roman army built in order to build the siege around Masada. When Masada fell, uh, we lost uh, the um, ability to live our life in our land as free people. We couldn't be free people till 2,000 years later. And I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. Buildings on top, Herod's Palace, the Dead Sea, where people can, you know, go floating, (laughs) mudding up, and all that. Uh, Yes, it's the saltiest body of water in the world. And I would like to end uh, this uh, evening presentation with that whole I'll make it bigger. (coughs) So we are in this area here, a place called Qumran, where 12 caves were found like this. And since the year 1947, scrolls were found inside and they are known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And most of them are written on parchment. And most of them are written with Hebrew language. And uh, I cannot think about the biggest discovery than the Dead Sea Scrolls being the uh, most ancient manuscript of the Bible, of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. That's the oldest uh, text, written text of the Old Testament that was found Mm -hmm. in those caves. My friends, they were written 2,200 years ago. A short time after Jeremiah. And uh, think about the joy of being able to hold them in one hand and to take um, uh, the Bible that you are using on the other hand and to match. And they are matching. And there is a match. They actually confirm it's, it's, it's like, you know, confirmation. It's the same Bible. After all those years. And they came from these uh, caves known as the Caves of Qumran. And we are back in Jerusalem, and soon we'll take you back to the Ben-Gurion airport, and we'll say goodbye, and you will fly home. So... Um, I hope that uh, you enjoy this evening, Uh, thank you, thank you, Uh, and I promise you that tomorrow evening we have another presentation very interesting about modern day Israel. Uh, I gave you a little bit yesterday about modern day Israel, but it's different, it's different. So thank you very much.
1: You all enjoy this. Now, we're going to do something now. We are going to take up an offering. And y'all know y'all are big givers. Um, I'm not saying this to whine, but he hasn't worked in a year. Well, he he walks every day, but he hasn't worked. And uh, we want to bless him real good. And I believe that Aaron needs to be in the United States sharing Israel with people. And I'll tell you this. You know, and, and uh, the ones of you that were able to come and see them, plan on going, plan on going. Believe God, don't say I don't have the money, just pray and ask God, can you go? Because so much of your Bible starts coming alive when you go, oh my God, oh this is it. And it's not that the ground is holy, you are holy. But, but the, when you see it and you get to open a Bible up, you know, like he was talking a while ago about the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, that's also the brook Cherith, where Elijah was fed by the ravens. And then Zarephath is quite a distance. So you're reading it and going, oh my God, I didn't know this, you know. Amen, didn't y'all enjoy this? Okay. You know, I
2: just wanted to mention real quick when he was talking about the place that you saw that was the gates of hell. You know, when we were up there and we saw the different shrines and the different gods that were built and they were talking and he was talking about that, it made it come so alive because we could see inside the cave, which had like a greenish, bluish pool of water. And so at the different sacrifice of those gods, they would throw animals, they would throw babies, they would throw people. And so the way they believed is that if there was no blood, then the, the god of hell, Satan accepted it, but if there was blood showing, then he didn't accept it. And it was just so much demonic oppression up there. It's like he said a supermarket of gods, like five or six statues or more. And so when Jesus was standing there, it was so cool. He's like, But who do you say I am? Because everybody else says these are gods. That's what he meant. They're saying this is God, they're saying this guy's and this saying this is God. But he says, But who do y'all say that I am? And that's when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then that's when he pointed and the gates of hell, not just that physical cave, but what everybody believed to be the opening mouth to the gates of hell. Not even this guy, not even this thing will prevail against the church, will prevail against you. What a wonderful place that he took the disciples up.
1: So get your checkbooks out and write thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D. You know, also something else that happened there. And I never heard um, Aaron preach before until he got up there. And I'm sitting there going, that man is doing a pretty good job right now. Anyway, but you know, like Mark Hankin said, that when Peter said that, he said, you're the Christ. And then Jesus told him who he is. I'm going to tell you something. When you find out who Jesus is, is the day you find out who you are. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He said, and you are Peter, a little pebble, but don't worry about it. We'll use you. Amen. Are y'all ready? Get your offering in your hand. Do you know what to do? I don't think they have any music for you, but let's, let's just pray over your offering. I, in this church, and I see visitors, one of the things that we believe about Christianity is that Abraham's blessing comes on us. Now we're sons of God now, sons of Abraham. And so one of the things that Jewish people have believed is prosperity is from God. And if you don't believe that, you read, read the Old Testament. Abraham was rich, Job was rich. God will bless you. And he doesn't want you broke. Don't worship money, but money is a tool. And the more you have of it, the more good you can do. So don't be afraid of money. Don't be afraid of believing God big. He will bless you. And then people will look at you and go, You've got to be a spirit-filled Christian, amen, (laughs) because you drive a nice truck and wear nice clothes, amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness on us. We prayed in Israel, Father. We prayed on the bus. Lisa and Justin and I got an agreement that one day Aaron would stand in our church and share the things we're seeing, and we're seeing a fulfillment of a prayer. And Father, this is not the end of all that you are gonna do in this church and in the lives of the people and in Israel. And I believe Israel will open back up again. And I believe people will be able to go. And we ask you to lead us and guide us and bless this offering and everyone sowing into it. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You said if you love Israel, God would bless those who love Israel. And I pray that this church would always be in love with Israel And in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events, we also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give